We've seen all the video call fails by now. The mute button mishaps, the cat cameos, people not realizing the camera's on when their pants are off. But none of this makes Fred feel any better about giving an entire sales pitch, mistakenly using a filter that turns him into an itsy-bitsy baby duck. How do I turn this thing off? It's too late, Fred. It's too late. When you realize it's better to do business in person, it matters where you stay. Welcome to the Hilton Garden Inn, Fred. The meeting room is right down the hall. Hilton, for the stay. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Sheepies, is it hold Ira? It's me, hold Ira. Wait, is this like a Mario thing? What's going on? I don't know. I'm just gonna. (laughs) It's hold Ira, and I'm here to tell you to eat your vegetables. I think you thought I said Waluigi, and that's not (laughs) what I said. I didn't call you whole DG, but if you want me to call you whole DG, I will. Welcome to Pop History, everybody. Yeah, we're giving you unpleasant dreams with my big old spooky cleavage. No, it's not Jackie Zabrowski. We're talking about Elvira. Unpleasant wet dreams. My God, I had a horniness fit doing this research. I was honestly struggling. I am so into Elvira on so many different levels. Uh, I'm Holden McNeely. Natalie? Um, Is it the breasts? that do it for you? (laughs) It's the whole thing. Honestly, I love like pale, super pale. I love like the whole aesthetic just makes me go, ah! I get it. Well, I would normally get offended by that, but I think she is fine with you being horny That is what she's after. (laughs) She's she's completely cool with it. But she's also so, I don't want to just make it like, oh, she's so, uh, such a smoke show. Because she's also so fucking charming and she's so funny. Hilarious. I love her whole thing. And I love her character that she created and stuck with through all of these years. She's such talk about like we talk about, you know, important figures in the history of pop. And she is just such an icon of pop culture that I almost like I, I never really watched like the the show she hosted, even. I re- definitely remembered catching some of her movie on but she's like outgrown all of that just to become this like halloween october mainstay yes she was a little bit before our time whenever she first was becoming elvira and was doing the show and stuff that we were too young for that i don't don't think we would have been able to see because i don't think they were like replaying it or anything in our lifetime no but we definitely had a lot of them on vhs and i know that we watched them but it was also because our we weren't allowed to watch Elvira as kids, which mm-hmm. I think is very funny, and it shows how my uh, my family values horror versus sexuality, but we're not going to go down that, Uh-oh. because therapy isn't until later. Uh-oh. But uh, the fact that we were allowed to watch all the Nightmare on Elm Streets, we were allowed to watch <laughs> it, we could watch anything, but we couldn't watch Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, because... 
my I think that my parents were worried that it was all sex. And then if you watch Aww. the movie, there's no sex in oh, it. Oh, it's very no. silly. It's such a silly it's like, movie. It's like a Mel Brooks style comedy. It really is yeah. like Mel Brooks. Yeah. Yes. Super cute and like, you know, and I mean, there's all the double entendres sure. and everything, but it's yeah. so innocent. Uh, you, you know, know why? I mean, you know why? Because her breasts hold so much power in them. And that <laughs> is one really of the reasons do. that I do kind of, I'm not a, against people revealing the nipple. That's cool if you want to, but I never would because I think breasts hold magical powers and you have to utilize them to control people. <laughs> if there's anything Elvira has taught us. Magical milk and magical fat. Yep. And I love both of those things. Pour them down my throat until I explode. Well, and also what's so cool is to watch someone. <laughs> yeah, I'm moving. I'm just gliding I'm just right past it. <laughs> I think that it's so amazing as someone. So it wasn't really until the Pee Wee Herman episode that we did mm -hmm. that I even thought about the fact that Elvira came from an improv and comedy background. I never thought about it before. And the DNA of Pee Wee and Elvira are so mixed together because yes. they were in the same class. Of course, uh, Cassandra Peterson was in Pee Wee's Big Adventure as, as part of the biker gang, and she's fucking awesome as I that character. I say you let me have them first. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and I love that they were friends, and they are this, they're so similar. What happened, because it was all... Created in the Groundlings, which we'll go into more detail with. But yeah, that, that you know, she, she, it's, I, I wish I had something like this in my life in a way. I mean, I could understand in a way being trapped by the thing I created, but how cool would it be to create something so young and such, and it's such a specific aesthetic and then, and then to develop it and be able to like, just explore that character in all these fun ways and just consistently get to enjoy that character for the rest of your life. I mean, I have nothing like that unless you want to, you know, uh, testicles for hands, man, and murder fists, you know what I mean? But that wasn't good <laughs> enough. You're still a boy, Holden. You're still a young man, and you'll you'll develop your character that you'll turn He's into. not a boy, not yet a man. And you'll, yep, get, you'll strut out at 70. You're all back hurts, and you're all arched over, and you're just going to come out in your costume, and the people will clap and clap and clap. Don't worry, it's gonna happen. It's me, Ricky Pickles, and <laughs> I'm here to tell you children about the way the internet used to be. Is that oh, maybe something never like mind. that? Ricky no, Pickles? never mind. Yeah. Already canceled. I just, if you could come up with something <laughs> like Elvira, though, because Elvira did declare herself the illegitimate child of Vincent Price and Anne Margaret. And I, love I it. think, it, like, what a hybrid. What if you did a, what if you did a, version of it where you have a low V on your penis so like the top of your penis sticking out. Do I go, where, where, where are we talking with the bush now? So we're going to give a little bit of trunk is what you're saying? I think, yeah. Then, yeah, I think you have to shave. I would go full I say baby. there's not enough shaft out there. I just want to see, I don't want to just see the hairs. No. I right. want to see more. I want to be tantalized the way Elvira tantalizes this is, us. This is what I'll do. I've realized this is what I'll do. I'll pull my balls up above the trunk so okay. it'll look like Elvira, like in the sense they'll look like little breasts down there. Okay, okay, and will okay, your, okay. Will your song be, how thick is my shaft? Why is my shaft? This? How thick <laughs> is my shaft? People complain I, I sexualized the show too much, so I'm going to just push right through into the history. This of is a sexual show. This is an episode. <laughs> 
I did this too, Holden. Isn't it fun how <laughs> I was the one who sexualized it and you're going to get yelled at? <laughs> at least we kind of, <laughs> at least we get a little bit more free reign today because we are talking about Elvira and sex. I mean, sex appeal is such, such a huge, unavoidable part of yes, this character. And also talk about inspirational of a woman that knew what she had used it and made jokes about it and never was made to feel bad for doing what she was doing. Jackie, yeah. totally. And I, I, uh, somebody who developed early, I don't know if you got your bazooms as early as I did, but <laughs> yeah. I, I was like fourth, fifth grade. And I wish that I would have had that level of confidence because I was so insecure about it. Like I felt embarrassed about my body and I wish that I could have found a way to make jokes about it instead of like yes. feeling the biblical shame that I'm supposed to feel. Which is, this is why at this point in time too, like during the 80s, it was so, it, it was still shied against and she was kept to like the midnight show wigs and like the, you know, I like that she created the persona into making her like a woman of the shadows. But I also hate how we were raised to Look at that and be like, oh, you don't want that in your life. You don't need yeah, that. Yeah, that sucks. This woman is is putting all of her bazooms out there. You can't, like, worry your eyes with it. It's like, what are you talking about? I, I also was very ashamed of my body, always was very ashamed of my body. I needed to see Elvira. When I was a kid, it I is needed the that. patriarchy coming along again and saying, "Hold it, hold it, you did this." What is happening? <laughs> they're, oh, right. they're afraid of the power of the female. Shall mm -hmm. we? Shall I am definitely frightened of both of you two. Uh, <laughs> shall we? And my wife and my mom. Yeah, most of the women. Yeah, for sure. As you should be. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, and speaking of fear, let us talk now about the history of Cassandra Peterson. I know, it's not as scary sounding when we use her real name, but her name is Cassandra Peterson. And she was born in Manhattan, Kansas in 1951. And when she was a toddler, she was scalded by boiling water and had to get skin grafts to over 35% of her body, spending three months in the hospital, which was a big element. This is where the humor comes in. This is where the humor comes in, but also something that I never realized before. It is why, even though yes. you know everyone says what she wears is so revealing, and it's like, no. If you think about it, her tits are exposed, and yes, she's got a high slit. But most of what is covered on her body, and also if you notice in the movie, it's she uses body doubles. It's because she's burned over thirty five percent of no her body. Idea. And, yeah, no idea. And I had absolutely no idea. And then, then looking, you do realize like, oh, those are like leg. I believe leg doubles. And she made it very clear that like she was never to take her wig off because she needed to cover her back. Mm. But she got the scalding burn. She got scalded because her mother was boiling Easter eggs and she was two years old and she climbed up on a chair and she pulled the whole Oof. pot of boiling oh, water oh on top God. of her. Oh my God. And also as a parent, what a fucking nightmare. Yeah. Oh. Peterson, Peterson said, I use humor as a way to deflect comments the kids made about me. 
calling me a monster and running away from me. And I eventually started using self-deprecating humor, making jokes about myself. And that made people kind of like me. So that's, that's where that comes in. The need for attention comes in very early on as well. She was drawn to entertaining from a super young age. She's got a button. Now, Jackie was talking about this before we started. She is such a great storyteller, and she's such a great interview to the point where I'm going to try, when she's not in her busy season, to actually get to talk to her. We'll see what happens. I but, would love that because all of every everything that I have is like pages long of a story that I tried to pull things out. Let of. me shall shall I t- I have one right here. Let me tell this was this was uh, when I was in Kansas and around one and a half years old. My dad took me to a parade and he pushed me up in front of the crowd and stuck me on the horse with Hopalong Cassidy. And suddenly I was in a parade and everybody was yelling and clapping at me. It was like, oh, my God, this is fantastic. I just wanted to be the center of attention. I would do anything to get attention. My parents had me up dancing on tables when I was a little kid. They'd go to restaurants and stick me up on the table, and I would sing, how much is that doggy in the window? And people would throw pennies and change at me. And I was like, ah, this is awesome. I don't want, I don't know, but I kind of got bitten by the bug. The rest of my life, I just continued pursuing, like, what can I do to get everybody to look at me? See, whenever people threw pennies and nickels at me in high school, they screamed white trash and it wasn't (laughs) fun. Mm, Yeah, that or when someone made it hail instead of make it rain on you. You ever had been hailed on instead? Oh, I never. (laughs) No, my bullies were not that clever, but they definitely (laughs) threw money at me like change. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, I had through I got food thrown at me. Oh, me too. uh, Because I was fat. So I, I was always, so at least it was softer. <laughs> Sorry to laugh, but it's just... <laughs> the way you said it was very funny. Why do you think I'm so funny now? <laughs> so Jackie, do you have the, do you want to tell the queen of Halloween story to get us into the, how Halloween and how her early love of horror and uh, October and Halloween comes in? Well, I will say that I did definitely, uh, I fell in love even further with Cassandra Peterson because she grew up And this uh, definitely rang true in my life, but not in the same way. Her mother and her aunt ran a costume shop. Yes. So Cassandra was often used as a model, but also what I really loved. And what I think makes me okay with how she gets to her stardom status is that her mother was and her both of her parents were very supportive of all of her dreams and all of her hopes and anything that she wanted to do, they encourage, including the fact that anything she wanted to dress up as, her mom and her aunt would make her that costume. So even from a young age, she was dressing as Morticia Adams. She was dressing as Samantha from Bewitch. She was dressing from Ginger from Gilligan's Island. (laughs) She said they never refused any costume. There was nothing too sexy or too strange for my mom and aunt to make me that costume. I never got turned down. And Peterson has said in interviews that she always knew she would one day grow up and have a job that required being in costume. Now, this is why... She they referred to Halloween as like the huge event all her entire life of the entire year. And that's what's so cool. She said she was a Halloween dressing up fool and she that she uh, I won my first Halloween costume contest when I was in second grade dressed in fishnets, high heels and a can can dress. Dressed as Miss Kitty from the Gunsmoke series. (laughs) I I mean, how cool is that to have a family with a costume shop? And that was the time where a lot of kids, like, there weren't extravagant costumes the way there are now. They they just would have, like, a plastic sheet over them with, like, a 
like something made out of like asbestos on their face. <laughs> well, and that's because that's why I get. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I've t- I'm pretty sure I've talked about this on here before, but it changed my life when my mom made me my Little Mermaid costume <gasps> with the like with a nude bodysuit and the the bodysuit had the like big purple uh, shells over you know what would someday be my breasts but then also the (laughs) she like stuffed the tail and my legs went through the bottom of the tail but she attached the bottom of the tail to my wrist to like an invisible like fish fishing line so that the tail came up as I walked and then I had like the long hair and she made me like a little sea crown and it was my my favorite costume of all time yeah dude I didn't know that that's amazing that's a fucking I want it now that was my first ballet too but Little Mermaid Really? I didn't know that. Yeah, my first costume was a mermaid costume. What a couple of fucking aerials. Well, she had, I mentioned this earlier, but she had had, uh, a a fond costume memory as well at the age of five. She told her mother she wanted to be the queen of Halloween, which consisted of a crown and scepter made out of orange and black paper. She was always wanting to be like a mascot for this holiday. This This is her on her love of Halloween. It's a fantastic holiday, the best, best holiday of all holidays. There's no religion involved. You don't have to buy anyone any presents. You don't have to have dinner with your relatives. It's hedonistic. It's about going out, having fun, and doing things that you wouldn't ordinarily do. Dressing up as a hooker or something. I love this line. I love it. There's no religion involved. You don't have to buy anyone presents. I mean, it really is. It's true. The only reason why Thanksgiving tops it for me is because I get to cook for people because I'm obsessed with cooking. But Halloween, close second. You know what's also great about it is that you can either make it a big party holiday and go to all these parties and like be out in the town or it can totally if you're more introverted it can be this super fun let's all get together and watch a bunch of scary movies and stay in holiday it's like both and there's no expectations you can make it whatever you want Do I whatever totally agree. you want yeah i will say most of my halloweens especially um ended in me crying <laughs> somewhere either on a bus or on a train in new york uh, in my costume, right. still upset, <laughs> which is usually what ended up happening most Halloween. Absolutely, absolutely, of course. Uh, and, and she also, in elementary school, she saw, saw her first horror film, House on Haunted Hill. She said, I was both repulsed and intrigued. I couldn't think of doing anything else but going to see the next cheesy Edgar Allan Poe ripoff movie by Roger Corman. And then I got into collecting horror magazines. My sisters were playing with Barbies. I was playing with Dracula. I also have a love-hate relationship with Vincent Price. I loved to see every movie he was in, but then I suffered for weeks afterwards with nightmares. Her favorite (laughs) TV shows were Twilight Zone and The Addams Family. She's just, I love that it's not just a a bullshit character. Like, she fucking lives her. She's a Halloween lady. Yes, she is the real deal. It's She's not just stuck in this spooky character. Like, this is her personality. And that's what I love, too, over and over again, when people are like, are you sick of being Elvira? And her answer is always, no. I will never be sick of doing this. I love having an alter ego that I get to be, which is what I always wanted. I wanted to, because also if you look at her and something that she enjoys is that you wouldn't notice right away that she's Elvira. She's got long red hair. She like, she doesn't dress like that normally. She's just, she just looks like a mom. She never gets noticed. And she's also, she's still the reigning Halloween queen for 40 years. Yeah. How could you be mad about that? You know? And, 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 
it is great for her. She speaks about this. Like, unless she's, like, at a convention or something, if she's out of costume, like, nobody no recognizes her. And that's fucking rad. So she's, like, both famous and not, which is the ideal, really. It is I'd ideal. recognize her. Right. I would. I would oh, now, yeah. probably, uh, after doing this research. Peterson said, as I got older, I went into tap dancing lessons, modern jazz lessons, then later on singing lessons. I was really bitten by the show business bug. It was something I always wanted to do. I started at 14 dancing in nightclubs and kind of just continued on from there. I didn't know what I wanted to be exactly, but I knew I wanted to be, like I said, the center of attention. And during her teens, she also worked as a go-go dancer at a local gay bar. And she's very LGBTQ oh, yeah. uh, friendly. And and we'll get into more of that as we go. But yeah, do you want to talk about Jackie, the her intro, her foray into showbiz? Sure. She, I mean, 14 years old working as a go-go dancer. She definitely was very yeah. open about the fact that <laughs> she wasn't topless. You know, it wasn't. But a lot of the times at this, when she was this young, she was working in gay bars and worked with a lot of drag queens. And the drag queens actually in the whole community embraced her and helped her like herself and learn how to grow and also how to lose yourself in a character. She said that drag queens are who taught her how to dress, how to wear her hair, how to do her makeup, how to walk. And she said the next thing she knew, she was in a drag show. She said one of the guys didn't show up one night, so they put me in as a third drag queen doing a Supremes number. I was a woman being a man being a woman. Fun. Uh, also a child being, pretending to be a man being a woman being a yes. child. Yes. Oh, yes. But, uh, it's really, those stories are fascinating with her and like Tracy Lords and Rose McGowan, who started in these really precarious sounding situations where they were like 13, 14, already doing like very adult things, but somehow managing to like make it out and then succeed and thrive this high. Right. Like, well, because I think that these, these people that like, like the drag queens that she surrounded herself by are the ones that took care of her and made sure that nothing yeah. was going to happen to her. I think the gays really protected her in her younger years. Um, unlike Frisky Hands Elvis, let's talk about he it. He actually, uh -oh. no, Frisky Hands Elvis is what? <laughs> well, we'll get there. We well, will let's get there. Get, let's go there. I mean, unless you have anything between between here and Vegas, I was about to jump no, on to Vegas. No, I mean, she just, I know that she, well, so she, we'll start it off, is that her? She had a dream of being a showgirl in mm -hmm. Las Vegas because she was obsessed with Anne Margaret and because Anne Margaret also had red hair, was super sexy. And then she was with Elvis Presley in the movie Viva Las Vegas. And so she was obsessed with that movie. But then she said, the next thing you know, my parents were on vacation and they took me and my sisters to California, but we stopped in Las Vegas. I begged them to let me go to one of these shows with them. So I dressed up to look super old and sophisticated, you know, like I was actually old enough to get in to see the show. I put on all kinds of wiglets and eyelashes and a push-up bra and I went to see the show. I guess I had so much makeup on that the dance captain came out and asked me if I'd like to audition for the show the next day. She says it was the weirdest thing that ever happened. My parents were in shock. They thought it was a joke. I was in shock. And then I broke down and told them, I'm only 17. I thought I would get arrested. But instead, I did the audition and they hired me and said, how? And I said, how am I going to be in the show when I'm 17? 
But they had my parents get a lawyer and sign a document, and I was able to do it. I wasn't able to enter the hotel except through the back through the kitchen. I couldn't drink or gamble or go in the casino, but I could dance in a G-string on stage. Can you imagine that happening now? I know. No! Because that sounds like child trafficking. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's pretty wild. Like, again, it seems like somehow she... Made out, out unscathed or wasn't horribly taken advantage of, at least that we know of. So, well, at least except for that, when she loses her virginity, but we'll get into that. In we'll a get into that. Well, and and but the craziest thing is, so she ends up being a showgirl in the pioneering Viva Les Girls show at the Dunes Casino, which is a musical review that became wildly successful. And there, and she actually meets Elvis Presley, and they end up actually. I guess I wrote they briefly dated, but I think the way she tells it, I think you might have the story, Jackie. But the way she tells it. It was really just like one night, crazy one night, night with Elvis. Yeah. What it seems like, and at least, again, you can read at least minorly different versions of this story from Elvira herself in many different interviews. But the one the, of what I figured out is that they it was after a show. Elvis had come to see the show and they were in the hotel and she went up with all of the people that she's in the show with and she sat down with Vegas, and so apparently her first ever gift was a copy of Hound Dog. So this is how upset, like, she is obsessed with Elvis. She's always been in love with Elvis. And they're sitting, and he's playing the piano for all of them up in this huge hotel room. And he was very open about the fact, and also his team was very open about the fact that she is 17 years old. So she claims that they kissed but went no further. Cause that's and that's, I think it's also because she's in love with him, but you know we'll never really know. I'm just saying what she said. But what I do think is cool is that he, she said that Elvis said, "quote Let me tell you, Vegas is no place for a young girl like you. You need to get the hell out of here. You don't want to stay here and be like all these other girls and end up in your 30s and doing God knows what or just working at the blackjack table. If you really want to be in showbiz, you got to get out of this town." And I was like, "What? I just got here and I love it." And he said, "No, no, 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 no. You just sang with me." And you've got a really nice voice. You should get voice lessons and go into singing. When you're 24, 25, you're going to be too old to dance. You need to start thinking about a different career path if you want to stay in show business. All right. Which I don't know if that's any of that's true. But she did follow his advice. And then she started, she got herself a singing coach. And then she started singing. And she said it was Elvis that had changed her life that told her to do a different path besides just be a go-go dancer. There's just so much good and bad advice mixed in there at the same time. Yes. I also yes, like yes, that yes, yes. that if you're 17, the kissing's okay. Yeah. <laughs> you're allowed to French them. You're not allowed to go anywhere else. What did you say earlier, Natalie? You can oh, lick it, but lick, you can't stick it? Yeah, there's. You can, you're allowed to lick. You're not allowed to stick. Back then. Now, neither. No, neither. And uh, at one point, too, when she finally had to leave, Elvis said, if that plane leaves the ground and you're not with him, you'll regret it. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but soon and for the rest of your life. And then Mm. she said, what about us? And he said, we'll always have Paris. We didn't have it before. We... We no. lost it until we came to Casablanca. We no. got it back. No. Wait, wait a second. Wait a second. 
second way holding. Second. <laughs> also, I'm very, I'm very sad nobody tried to do an Elvis impersonation during any of this. Oh, oh, well, I will say when he saw her, when he saw her, he was like, oh, 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 oh. he was good. violently masturbating. He was gripping himself with such a violence. <laughs> oh, uh, and then they were like, she's 17, and he was like, oh, oh, oh. Well, I'll just, I'll just let her give her a kiss. Uh, <laughs> All of us are really that, good at Natalie, this. Natalie, wow, that Natalie. was a transformation. Natalie, you should go to Vegas. Really I, got, I think you have a job waiting for you there. Uh, Disney Plus and Hulu are better together in the Disney Bundle with new movies and series. On Disney Plus, experience the full Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with new main show performances and acoustic collection. On Hulu, follow the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, played by Emma Stone in the award-winning film Poor Things. All of these and more streaming this month. Get the Disney Bundle with Disney Plus and Hulu. Terms apply. See DisneyBundle.com for details. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I will say, though, um, Elvira does wish she had lost her virginity to Elvis and still wishes she had. I get it. Because who did she lose her virginity to? Tom Jones. Wow. Apparently, Tom Jones, she said, seemed gentlemanly and nice. So when he was jumping on me, I thought, well, if I'm ever going to do this, it might as well be with Tom Jones. Ew. It was painful and horrible. And apparently, Tom Jones is so well endowed that he oh, hurt her during losing her virginity. Yeah, his, she said, his reputation is that he's very large. Yes, he's very large, but also... <laughs> was not being very gentle with her either, right. and honestly, I'd never, I, I don't, re- I don't think I really previously had any thoughts about Tom Jones, but now I certainly don't like him. She said I ended up with a little tearing, a little bleeding, oh. and going to the hospital. I had to get stitches. Oh, oh God. God! She said I thought for sure we were going to run away together and get married. I went backstage to see him the next night. But he was with two background singers and was all over them. I was disgusted. So she was very now talks about that. She just really wished she had pushed Elvis into having sex. with her. (laughs) God, that sucks. I know it's horrible. That super sucks. I didn't even have any of that. So good digging, Jackie. Um, So after this, she gets a small role in the James Bond film. Diamonds are forever as a showgirl, as well as a topless dancer in the film. The Working Girls. She's also said to be the girl on the cover of Tom Waits' album, Small Change, in the tassels, almost completely nude. She, uh, I Peterson love it. actually she doesn't, doesn't remember, know. but she's like, it looks like me, so she it's probably remember. me. I mean, that's a cool life if you can't even remember. That's a good life. Uh, being right? on the cover of like an iconic album. Yeah, it's like incredible. She was doing a lot of modeling at this point in time, and I love that the quote is, I've stared at it really, really hard. And I'm pretty sure it's me. <laughs> I just, again, such a prolific career that you can't really remember. It's amazing. This is the, I was blown away by all of this stuff before, like, just even getting into her career as Elvira is so incredible. So now it's the early 70s. She moves to Italy. 
She becomes the lead singer of the Italian rock bands Latins 80 and The Snails, which just sounds rad as fuck. In Italy, she just runs into Federico Fellini, like apparently literally on a street corner, just bangs into him. And she ends up getting a small part in his film Roma, which is like it's, a classic. Yes. Uh, How did she end up in Italy? She just always loved Italy. Yeah, just oh. wanted to go. She wanted to go and she went. I think she was making enough money. And so as she she said that she actually, when she bumped into Federico Fellini, he said that she looked like his wife. And when she was younger, so that's why he asked her to be in the movie. (laughs) She said, I got the part in the movie Roma. It was bizarre. It was an experience of a lifetime. I got paid. I was starving, literally. I didn't have any money or work. And to have that fall out of the sky was like a miracle. I don't know. I had these strange things happen to me when I was a kid and growing up. Thinking of things, and then they kind of happen. I was manifesting she things, is a and witch. I didn't realize it. That's what I tell people. Be careful what you think, because you might end up getting it. And I love that, like, she just it really is, I do believe in manifestation, but Me we too. won't go down that. No, I do too. And she was manifesting this for herself. She needed something. She needed a job. And she literally bumped into Federico Fellini in the street. She then, so after uh, Italy, she comes back to the U.S., and now we get to talk about the Mama's Boys. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I baby. love this. This is a musical comedy act. It is, uh, Peterson said, it was seven gay men and myself. I was Mama. And we toured major, uh, we toured major gay slash straight discos all over the country. It was at the height of the disco era and pre-AIDS, so it was pretty damn wild. <laughs> <laughs> And this is them moving. She's after she's moved back to Los Angeles, right? This is after yes. she's in the United States because she moved here apparently for some dude and that fell through. But what I love, I just loved this line about working in the Mama's Boys. She says, I can't tell you what a big influence they were on me. And now it's funny. I'm an influence on them, meaning the gay community. She said, it really came full circle. It's so funny how many guys come up to me and say, I had your poster in my room and it was fantastic because my mom thought I was straight. (laughs) They were like, you were my beard for so many years. She laughed. She said, I've always said when guys have my poster in their bedroom, it's because they either want to do me or they want to be me. And Mm -hmm. right around puberty, they decide which one it is. Hell yeah. (laughs) That's great. She also, you know, she talks about how the Elvira character really is to her like dressing in drag you know and we talked about you know her working with the drag performers uh way early on I think that was such a huge influence for her becoming so you know taking it into this direction because it really is the persona is such a larger than it's a heightened yeah it's a heightened version of a female character and it is drag in that way where it's the extra hair and the extra makeup and you're you're putting a layer on top of the person. And the humor, which I feel yes. like you find yes. so much in drag And shows. the camp as and well. Camp. Yes. She's yeah, larger yeah, 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 than yeah. life. And like the fact that when even she talks about her breasts, she's like, they are my breasts, but they are definitely shoved into that <laughs> dress. <laughs> you know, it's like if you shove any, and no matter what size your breasts are, you can make them look that big with diligence. I like, I want to ask her about how she holds her boobs because she gets yeah. them to stay in place and not move around when she's jumping and, and like the boobs don't fall out yeah either. and they just don't like pop out or anything i wonder what she does she does say it takes her exactly an hour and a half to get into the whole thing I, she she has yeah. it down to a science so yeah. 
I'm sure that those that whatever she does with them fangs is also down to a, a perf- oh, I'm sure. perfected yes. science. Uh, for sure. I, she Can we just say for I know we're probably going to get to it when we get to her later on. I, she is 70. She still is a smoke show. Smoke oh, yeah. Show. Like, Fucking goals, man. Yeah. Uh, I, ju- I think, and it's one of those things in life that I feel like you read about where it's like, oh, is being happy and doing what you want to do, is that what makes you look so young? Yeah. I really, it's like, wow. I do. I think so. Insane. Well, now we're going to get into the transition, the actual, her actually finding this character, because now it is 1979, and she decides in L.A. to join the improv troupe, the Groundlings. We have talked, of course, about, I gave a a bit of a history of the Groundlings in our Pee Wee Herman episode. I'll spare us that deeper dive into the Groundlings. Check it out on that episode. Yes, please. She does say, I don't think there's a day that goes by where that training hasn't helped give me confidence to be on stage or confidence in my speaking. I just wouldn't be able to do what I do without the groundlings because improv teaches you to think on your feet. Look at how many people have come out of there who've gone on to successful careers. It's mind boggling. Absolutely. And and here she's not Elvira yet. But she does create this Valley Girl character. And this Valley Girl character is going to be the basis of the Elvira character. Uh, Another little side note. Unfortunately, she did test shots for Playboy in the 70s as as well, which were stolen and appeared in a bunch of different men's magazines without her permission, which super sucks. Yuck and a half. And I do say I think it's kind of fun that she was asked what her specialty was in the Groundlings. And she said openly, I was the worst at doing characters. She said it was weird that I came (laughs) up with this character. I only had a couple of characters. One was called Pet Lady, which you can guess what that was like. (laughs) One was a Valley Girl actress that kind of had the personality that I based the Elvira character on. And she said that Valley Girl song with Moon Zappa had just come out. She was like, I was just a sexy actress showing up for an audition. She said, people always called me the sex symbol of the Groundlings. I always got all the parts like hooker, showgirl, stripper, whatever. I was usually the girlfriend, the sexy wife, the hooker of the Groundling, which I think (laughs) it's kind of fun. Though that I think that in Murder Fist and Our Days of Uh, Sketch, oh, right. I, no, no, what I appreciated about <laughs> us is that I never just played the girlfriend. Oh, In okay. fact, it was more, way more likely that you guys would play the girlfriend, <laughs> right. the hooker. Like, I got to play the fun character. I thought you were going to talk about how somebody d- definitely um, gave us the heads up. They were like, Every like this was like year one of Murder Fist. They were like, it appears to me that every female character in your sketches is either a prostitute or, or I'm sorry, I, I should say a sex worker or a Nazi. <laughs> so can you guys like figure out something else? And we were like, oh right, but we that might was have, in the beginning. But you guys might changed have some issues. it. You learned how to write for women, and I appreciate that. <laughs> we, we we had no idea. We didn't even realize. We were like, oh man. We should probably fucking fix that. There's a lot of there's a lot of mommy issues that come up in freshman year of college. Oh yeah, For, we. I mean, I think we were all pretty upset about not uh, actually having girlfriends. So I think that was probably a part of it too, because we we're all disgusting animals. More on that later. Um, More on that later. <laughs> but that was also like almost 20 years ago at this point. Yes, so long ago. And I mean, it's good. It's a learning. It's learning, guys. We're it's really learning. A lot. learning. <laughs> Women are way more than that, Holden McNeely says in 2020. Oh, my God. He's so progressive. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, so this is where we get to her finding Elvira. I should say she was a personality on a Los Angeles radio station from 1982 to 1983. Do you have much on that before Fright Night? Mm-mm. For, all right, let's talk about Fright Night, because this is where it really all comes together. Fright Night was a television horror show that ran low-budget horror and science fiction films in Los Angeles's, on Los Angeles' KHJ-TV from 1970 to 1981. And uh, the host was a man named Larry Vincent, who went by Sinister Seymour and notably criticized the film in an offbeat manner, appearing in a small window that would pop up in the corner of the screen while the movie was playing to throw like a little jab out at the movie. And this really is, this is such a relic, right? And Elvira really brought it back in the 80s, but this was something that that was like a horror host. Like, I want more of those in our world. I mean, I know we still have some got, of this. We've got Joe Bob. We've got mm-hmm. Joe Bob, right? I think he's kind of the number one right now. But uh, this was such a thing going on through back in the 70s and, and before. To start the show, a whiny-voiced assistant would say, The master of the macabre, the epitome of evil, the most sinister man to crawl across the face of the earth, Seymour. (laughs) Seymour would then walk onto the set and make fun of the audience for watching these, quote, stinkers. For a short time, Vincent was replaced by Muna Lisa, which was played by a woman named Lisa Clark, who was a sort of Elvira prototype. She was a vampiress. She had a little bit of the cleavage. Uh, she did the whole kind of knocking on the now? movie thing. Where is Mona Lisa these days? I'm, Lisa Clark, I'm not sure. I, you know, I, she's I, you probably think she's bitter? dead. Do you think she's mad? I think she's in the ground, most likely. She's not as mad as the person that created the Vampira show, yes. which we'll talk about in just a We're moment. We're about to yeah, get yeah, yeah. there. Vin- so Vincent died in 1975. He was replaced by another guy until 1979, and then the thing kind of went away. So in the spring of 1981, the producers decided they want to revive Fright Night. They want to revive it, but with a female host. And at first, they brought in another horror hostess named Myla Nermi, Myla Nermi, to revive her similar The Vampira Show, but quit over a dispute with the producers. So The Vampira Show was between 1954 and 1955. So you want to talk OG. So this woman created The Vampira Show. So... When she started working with them, she wanted to hire Lola Falana to play Vampira. And the producers did not want her to play Vampira, which is why Myla Nurmi quits. So what happens after they started taping? This is after they bring on Cassandra Peterson as Elvira. They create everything. The producers received a cease and desist letter from Nermi. She says, besides the similarities in the format and costumes of Vampira and Elvira, Elvira's closing line for each show, wishing her audience unpleasant dreams, was notably similar to Vampira's closer. Bad dreams, darlings, uttered as she walked off down a misty corridor. The court ruled in favor of Cassandra Peterson, holding that likeness means actual representation of another person's appearance and not simply close resemblance. Peterson claimed that Elvira was nothing like Vampira aside from the basic design of the black dress and black hair. Nermi claimed that Vampira's image was based on Morticia Adams, a character, you know, from the Adams family. Right. And that... Yeah, I mean, that they're is, both ripped off from other things already. <laughs> they're both ripped <laughs> off from other things. And also, right. Elvira is funny. Like there, yeah. there is a di- there the the character itself is different 
from Vampira. I yeah. love me some Vampira. I've got a like Jeff made me a great painting of Vampira. Oh sure, my cool. you know I, I that is that she is the OG, but that was also thirty or twenty five years before this, and it's revamped. Literally, yeah. get it? Hey, hey, hey guys! Yeah, that's what's up. Just came up with it. Did you just wow. say that's what's up? <laughs> that's Oh, yeah. Bring him back. Oh, Bring no. the guys back from the beer commercial. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Either way, what a cool opportunity for Cassandra Peterson. The station puts out a casting call for which Peterson auditions. She gets the part. Producers then leave it up to her to create the whole character, the whole look. That would never happen She today. should have been paid more money. Uh-huh. You should be paid more money to create the entire character, especially more uh, than yeah. $300 a week, but we'll get to that. Peterson said, an artist friend drew a picture, and I said, are you kidding me? There's no way in hell they're going to let me on TV in that. And they did. The general manager's only comment was, can you make the slit on the leg a little higher? Higher. The friend was her best friend at the time, Robert Redding, who was in Mama's Boys. Peterson said, Robert stepped in and said, let me help you. He did drag. He was an artist, a singer, and a drag queen. He had just been working on in Shakespeare's Macbeth, playing one of the witches, and played a drag character that had similar makeup that he found in a kabuki makeup book. So he did my makeup. He cut and styled the wig after his favorite singer, which is Ronnie Spector of the Ronettes, who called the hairdo a knowledge bump. Uh, then he made the dress as sexy and tight as he could. He literally cut and sewed the dress, hair, makeup. We worked on it together, but mostly it was his creation. I was going, oh my God, this is fantastic. So it was basically influenced by another drag queen. It's also, again, like the boobies, it's impressive that she can move around in that dress because it looks very tight. Apparently it is very uncomfortable. I bet. I do love as well that she just like couldn't believe that she was allowed to be on television wearing this. She said every week we'd get complaints that my cleavage was too low and I would back I would come back in the next week and they'd ask if I made the cleavage higher. I'd say we fixed it and they'd say, "Oh, thank God." And every <laughs> single week I'd tell them that we made it higher and every single week they'd say, "Great." And I never changed it. <laughs> I also saw her say something along the lines of at one point they did make her uh, close up the cleavage. She did for like one episode and they got like triple the complaints that she did that over (laughs) the complaints of the cleavage. They're like, no, 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 bring the cleavage back. No, bring the cleavage back. We can deal with the other ones. (laughs) Peterson said, I went on thinking, gosh, how will this last longer than a week? Because it's ridiculous. I'm being this valley girl character that I developed in the Groundlings while dressed like a vampire, but I figured I'm making $300 a week. I shouldn't complain. Obviously, they didn't think it would run longer than a week either because they rented everything on the set, the candelabra, the sofa, and all of that. Funny story, they forgot to stop renting the couch. Seven years later, they found out they'd paid like $25,000 in rental fees. What? Oh my <laughs> God. And I, know that, I mean, $300 a week at that time was probably pretty good, right? Okay. See, it was except for the fact that like after a couple of weeks in less than two weeks Elvira was invited to be on the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson like Uh this it exploded those are on YouTube by the way and they're a lot of fun it's like it's like she went viral. Yeah, and she did. She went yeah. envir- el viral. El viral. She went el viral. Yes! Oh, God, yes! Oh, oh, on the table. Oh, 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 o
I have to say this, though, because it is talk about another piece of advice that uh, because in looking at all of this, you're like, how did she and continue on as we will continue talking about this? How did she live off of this? She was making three hundred dollars a week and she kept asking for more money. She kept going in and being like, I think I should get more money. I think I should get more money. They wouldn't give her a raise. So in lieu of a raise, she said this is the smartest thing she ever did. In lieu of getting a raise, her ex-husband, who was her manager at this point, asked for the rights to Elvira so that she could have a fan club. And the station said yes. Mm. So Elvira owns everything that is Elvira. Yeah. Everything she gets a cut from. She says it's a fantastic advantage. Usually any actor who plays a popular character on something like Star Trek or whatever show, they don't have any control over their licensing and merchandising. They may get a small percentage, but in general, it's just pennies on each item. I get it all. Whenever you see something that features Elvira, (laughs) I'm making the money off of it. That's why when people say to me, don't you feel typecast? Don't you want to stop playing Elvira, I say, hell to the no. Are you <laughs> out of your mind? <laughs> so she's making money. If you look anything, Elvira, and in fact, if there's anything that is not asked by her, she does send out cease and desist letters to make people stop, which I completely appreciate. She should get the money. Oh, and by the way, we'll, we'll talk about the, the what comes of this licensing. I mean, there is a version of Elvira on everything. It's like, uh, it's like Rule 34, but for merchandise. Like, she fucking yeah. capitalizes Elvira, on this character. Elvira, the lunchbox. Elvira, yes. the flamethrower. Yes. <laughs> yeah, no, good for her. You know what she is? She's a real girl boss. Yeah, she is uh, a real girl uh, boss. Uh, she uh, is. Uh, you know what, though? Also, uh, I have to say, $300, of course, is not enough, but it is. We, we were just watching Amityville Horror for 31 for 31 last night, and... That's about the same time period, and their house cost eighty thousand dollars. And then when I heard that, I went to the corner and I wept. <laughs> it was also haunted, Natalie. So yeah, so the but the ghosts also had to pay like ten G just to haunt. The yeah, place. just to haunt there. But this also goes to show of why it was so important that <laughs> she did what she did. She said, I did the first 3D television show that had ever been broadcast, and they sold 3D glasses at 7-Eleven. I think they sold the glasses for $3 a pair, and the show only aired in L.A., and I think they sold something like 2.7 million pairs of glasses. That's amazing. So multiply that by three. That's a lot of money. And I got $300 a week. Uh, So when people say I cheated the station out of the rights, I say, I don't think so. Oh, no way. Fuck (laughs) that shit. No. I love the way she talks. Like, she's so fun in the way that she talks, like, in these situations. But either way, one more quote about her character uh, that I loved. I figured out that Elvira is me when I was a teenager. She's a spastic girl. I just say what I feel, and people seem to enjoy it, which I think is so, so much a part of her great success. This character blows up through the 80s and 90s and becomes, of course, as we said, a brand in and of itself. There were, let's talk about some of the merchandise, the actual merchandise. Halloween costumes, comic books, action figures, trading cards. I fucking love the pinball machines. We'll talk about the pinball machines in a second. We will talk about the pinball machines. Uh, Halloween decor, model kits, calendars, perfume, and dolls. Peterson said, I did one of those smelly things that hangs in your car. I was like, ew, what does Elvira smell like? Luckily, it just smelled icky and overly perfumed, and they sold a bunch. (laughs) And uh, she also appears on the cover of Femme Fatale's magazine five times. 
Just wow. pretty cool. Love. Great covers, by the way. Definitely worth a Google image search on that. A lot uh -oh. of Google image searching was done oh boy, by Holden. this person. Oh, um, boy. <laughs> <laughs> he had to do it, Natalie. He had to do it for the <laughs> I show. I had to know what the covers looked like to speak towards it on the show, Natalie. Of it course. Is no, no. You're diligence, just, Natalie. You're just a really good researcher. Yeah, he's diligent. <laughs> We've seen all the video call fails by now. The mute button mishaps, the cat cameos, people not realizing the camera's on when their pants are off. But none of this makes Fred feel any better about giving an entire sales pitch, mistakenly using a filter that turns him into an itsy-bitsy baby duck. How do I turn this thing off? It's too late, Fred. It's too late. When you realize it's better to do business in person, it matters where you stay. Welcome to the Hilton Garden Inn, Fred. The meeting room is right down the hall. Hilton. For the stay. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Also, in 1985, Elvira hosted a home video series called Thriller Video, and many of the films were hand-selected by Peterson. Was this what you had? I'm thinking, uh, Jackie, the VHS tapes. Was it Thriller Video? Yes, this is what we had. And many of these are pulled directly from episodes of the Hammer House of Horror television series, as well as television films directed by Dan Curtis. Hammer, by the way, we should talk about Hammer House. It's going to come back into play in a little, in a little bit when we talk about movie stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, but... The Hammer films were big for her, that just like those uh, the Vincent Price stuff and all of that. Hammer was the British B-horror thing, um, mm -hmm. B-horror house that was putting out a lot of like Dracula and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, uh, what's his name? Christopher Lee. We did an episode mm -hmm. of on uh, yeah. Wizard and the Bruiser. So we talked a lot about the history of the Hammer horror stuff. Yeah, but Hammer films is huge for the horror genre. Totally. It is like Britain's contribution. Bloomhouse. Bloom Yes, Blumhouse, but back in the way back in the day. Yeah, and all yeah, that yeah. Good Isn't stuff. it Blumhouse? Blumhouse, yeah. No, I, Blumhouse. I never say it aloud, I think is one of It's just one of right, right, I, right. I might be wrong. I don't know. His name's Jason know. Blum or Jason Bloom. Blum, it's Blum, a Mimi. Blum, Blum. It's a Mimi and a Jif. Uh, but either way, she did refuse to host films in the cannibal, slasher, and zombie genres. Uh, she didn't love all horror films. She really was more drawn to that old aesthetic. You know, honestly, we're watching them now. If you're listening to this close to the time of recording, we're doing these Saturday night watches on the LPN Twitch stream. Haunted those House. types of movies. Yeah. Come, those come kind of watch with us. Yes, come Twitch watch with stream. us. Wait, twitch.tv backslash last podcast network. Forward slash last podcast network. But yes, and uh, we're watching those types of films. Those just, those are like her comfort movies. She puts those on on sick days, you know what I mean? But she mm. didn't necessarily love slasher stuff, uber violent stuff, the more modern horror stuff. But they, so they did release a bunch of those thriller video movies not hosted by her that were in those genres. But uh, either way, she did hand select the ones that she hosted. Um, shall we talk about Mistress of the Dark? The movie. Do you have anything yes. before that? Yes. No, I don't. She just had, there. I was looking through her IMDb, and before she did this movie, there she had so many credits that I didn't 
realize, but she got her first Elvira credit really early on. So I guess that you were saying when she huh. like exploded onto the scene, I just didn't realize that, that that's how it oh, happened. Oh yeah, real hard. She was everywhere. Yeah, uh, definitely, especially in the 80s. So Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, uh, I, we probably all watched it uh, uh, before this. It is, um, I was actually surprised. I, I, I remember in, you know, in my memory, it was like just a terrible film. That you know, whatever, and rewatching it, it's super fun, super charming. It's it, it, funny. It's funny. It's you know, she's. I think she's great in it. I think she she actually like acts well in it. You know yeah. what I mean as her character. Um, but either way, the it's like a little was, bit of uh, Tu Wong Fu. Thanks for everything, Julie Newmar. Where it's like she shows up in this town and just like I'm bringing some pizzazz back here. But for the most part, it was just her getting young boys to do things for her, <laughs> and also throwing it out there, Bob. Not hot. Sorry. <laughs> not hot. No. Uh, I had never seen it before. This was my first Did time. Did you like it? Oh, yeah. I had a great time watching it. It was yeah. super fun. And and uh, the the girl in the movie is the, uh, she's from the original cast of Saved by the Bell. Oh. I had not seen her in other things before. Um, that's That's awesome. just an exciting fact that you'll get on pop history. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have another fun, exciting fact about the Elvira Mistress of the Dark because it made me smile. Apparently, Brad Pitt auditioned for one of the teenage boy roles because Sandra Peterson thought he was too cute and felt that Elvira would be not interested in Bob anymore if Brad Pitt was one of the teenagers trying to get her. I get it, girl. I get it. On her casting notes of his audition, she wrote next to his name, Yum Yum. (laughs) And then she became the Elvis. uh, (laughs) She got to lick. She's got no sticks. (laughs) No stick. Uh, the script was written by Peterson, uh, Cassandra Peterson, of course, as well as Sam Egan and John Paragon. Egan is known for writing and producing shows like Northern Exposure and The Outer Limits, as well as being a journalist that is written for Rolling Stone. Paragon started out in The Groundlings and is most known as Jombie the Genie on Pee Wee's Playhouse. Yes. It all comes full circle. The film was directed by James Signorelli, who is best known for being a film segment producer on more than 400 episodes of Saturday Night Live since 1976. After several years of so so that so I don't I, I don't have a ton much more on the movie besides that because it kind of came and went in a lot of ways. But um, well, I'll she just... doesn't push it because she doesn't make any more money off of it. Ah, so apparently due to the bankruptcy of New World Pictures and bad financial contracts, Cassandra Peterson and Mark Pearson, who was her manager at the time, and they don't husband. make any money off of the video sales or the TV airings. So she said, people are always saying, hey, that's so great that Mistress of the Dark is still out there. I go, yeah, it is. I'm thrilled for people to see it. They go, you must have money rolling in after all these years from that and I'm like no I don't think so I got paid to star in Mistress of the Dark and to write it and be a co-producer but I've never seen one penny from it ever 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 again that's it even though it was one of the top rentals for a long time it's crazy you're in showbiz you get it well hopefully yeah at least then she gets then people get pushed to her merch they're like oh I like this lady I'll go buy some stuff with her face on it everything else but it's a really fun it's very entertaining it's very, uh, it gets you in the Halloween mood. The end draws out a little long, I will say. Yeah, oh, I yeah, feel like that last does. dance number is kind of where where yeah. uh, it kind of outwears as well. And you're kind of like, oh, this is a little cheesy. Like, it felt a little cheesy. But other than that, I really enjoyed the the just the whole vibe of that movie. It's just a fun, you know, 
October chill. Like it's that movie you watch in between the harsher horror movies yes. during your 31 for 31. Totally. Month. Yes. Like I pair, sure. We paired it with a movie that was um, a lot more rough. You know, that's what you do. <laughs> Uh, so after several years trying to get a sequel made, Cassandra and her then-husband, Mark Pearson, we keep mentioning, decided to finance a second movie, which Peterson wrote with Paragon again, called Elvira's Haunted Hills. It was shot in Romania for just under a million dollars. It was uh, released direct-to-video in October of 2002. It lovingly parodies the Roger Corman-directed Edgar Allan Poe film she talked about earlier in this episode. Oh, wait, no. Oh, I made... <laughs> I gave a wrong pop history fact. The Girl from Saved by the Bell is in the Haunted Hills movie. Oh, okay. Did you oh. see the Haunted Hills movie? Yeah, I did watch it. I got the two confused that? in my head. It's fun. I didn't catch it. It was cool? I mean, it's very silly, yeah. you know. But it's, again, very fun Halloween-y kind of silly, spooky movie. I think I'll try to watch it, like, after this because I'm very intrigued because this is, I feel like, her love letter to the movie she loves yes. in the horror, in the realm of classic horror. Yeah, totally. And, of course, also it, uh, in parodies as well, the Hammer horror films out of Britain Definitely. Uh, that she spoke about. But it does also go to show she was 50 years old in that movie. Um, she, she looks fantastic in it. It's not Like, even in the first movie as well, I was like, remember that she is like, this is at a time period where it's like, no, she's not a just like a 20 year old. Like, oh, that's why it's like, this is a this is a woman, a woman who's like she fully comfortable in her skin. And it like, Good it's very Lord. sexy. She looks amazing. Did you watch Haunted Hills, Jackie? I haven't seen it since I, I used to watch it a lot. Because oh, you saw it. It was a movie that we weren't allowed to watch. Got so it. I, watch okay. it I never saw any Elvira movies as a kid. So this was all new. I am actually kind of shocked. I hate being that person of like, I can't believe, but honestly, Nat, like this is such your yeah. wheelhouse. I know. I know. It's so weird. And I still knew exactly who she was. I knew about right. her, but I had never seen her movies before. That's what makes her such like going back to talking about how she is such a pop culture icon. Yes. So much so that she surpasses the media she's in. Totally. You just know who she is. You know who she is. She's been everywhere. Also, pop history, fun, exciting fact alert. <laughs> the villain in Elvira's Haunted Hills is none other than Richard O'Brien, yes. who wrote Rocky Horror and plays Riff Raff. We just did the Rocky Horror episode. Which is Dude. really why I decided to watch that one, because I was like, well, we're, we gotta do go. We just did Rocky Horror. We gotta do, <laughs> I gotta watch this one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I said it just like that. And Henry asked if I needed to go to the hospital. <laughs> Which you then did get some blood blood work done. Then I did. And I'm yeah. glad you got that done. Yeah. Uh, either way, I want to now talk about some of these fun spinoff things that she, that she lent her brand to. Uh, first of all, there is the comic books. There was a run of comics in the mid '80s called Elvira's House of Mystery. Uh, this was put out by DC Comics in a joint venture with Eclipse Comics and Claypool Comics until Claypool took over the series in the 90s. This led to a new series, Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, which ran for 166 issues. Damn. So that is quite a bit of content out there in comic book form. There were three Elvira novels put out star starting in the mid-90s, Transylvania 90210, Camp <laughs> Vamp, and The Boy Who Cried Werewolf which are all long out of print but available on ebook if you're curious about those. 
Uh, Peterson also published a 35th anniversary photographic retrospective in 2016 that she refers to as a coffin table book. Coffin table book! Love it. Which is fun. Now, this is what I want to talk about. The PC game, Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. I'm so mad that I never played this. (laughs) Oh, did I play the fuck out of this I'm going to look it up on YouTube while you talk about it. Go on. I completely, it was, this was like a blast from the past. I have not thought about this PC game since I played the PC game. It is a single player, first person adventure game. <sighs> and the per, the player moves through the castle, collecting and using items. And it's actually set directly after the events of the first movie. Because you have to rescue, El, or I believe the second movie, you have to rescue Elvira from her great uncle's castle, which she inherited when he disappeared following their duel. Sorry, first movie. She had intended to turn the place into a tourist attraction, but the castle turned out to be inhabited by several monsters and a cult devoted to her distant ancestor, Queen Amelda. The followers intend to sacrifice Elvira to resurrect their queen, and the player must prevent this by helping her find a way to defeat the sorceress before the ritual is completed. This explains so much of why I believe in what I believe in (laughs) and how I feel about life. And Uh. you're helping Elvira so she won't be used in a ritualistic sacrifice. What other PC game? Or is out there where you get to help a hot woman not get sacrificed. I imagine there are other ones I don't know anything about. But no, this there's blew my never mind. been one ever. <laughs> I'm so sad that I never played that game. And I, I'm going to see if I can find it. Maybe it's on Steam or something because I definitely want to play it. I bet you can find it. It looks really, really fun. Did you guys ever play the Elvira and the Party Monsters, the pinball game? I love, uh, there's three pinball machines. I think I probably played all of them. So yeah, I'm pretty sure I played Elvira and the Party Monsters. There's also Scared Stiff, which came out uh, uh, as well. That's uh, like and- a boner. <laughs> <laughs> but this is what I love about Elvira and the Party Monsters. Apparently, it was one of the first pinball games to require two quarters per play rather than just one. And apparently, the marketing campaign made mention of this and that the entire tagline of this pinball series was Elvira's No Cheap Date. <laughs> yes, That's and they also came with modesty decals so that owners of it could cover her breasts. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So they had the option of covering or not covering, covering her, breasts. her breasts. Yes. Jesus Christ. It's it's a good one. There's also in October of 2019, Stern Pinball released Elvira's House of Horrors. So very recent because she got a new pinball machine. Uh, but yeah, Elvira and the I Party like Monsters. I think I've seen that one. I think I've played that one before. Oh, and she is still. I mean, she is still doing stuff. What I wanted to talk about, and if you have not listened to it. I think, Mary, could you please play a clip of Two Big Pumpkins? <laughs> Come on, fellas, and you gals too, cause I got something to show you. I'm proud to show them, they're right up front. So nice and big, I'm proud to flaunt my two big pumpkins. Two big pumpkins. Nice big pumpkins. Nice big pumpkins. Yes. <laughs> Two Big Pumpkins was written by Fred Schneider of the B-52s Hell and yeah. produced by Jack White's company, Third Man Records. And she became she's 
friends with Jack White. She loves Jack White. And it is uh, Schneider captures the essence of Halloween personified as well as Elvira's humor in under three minutes. Because you can imagine in the music video what she's singing about. Well, they're two big pumpkins. Her music (laughs) career is very fun. Please look up some of Elvira's music, Two Big Pumpkins. Also, last year, she released a song. She did a collab Halloween song with Kim Petras on turn uh, called Turn Off the Light. Uh-huh. And I didn't realize that Elvira was a part of it. It's so awesome. And apparently I love Kim, Kim Petras. Petras, I love Kim Petras. Kim Petras is a huge Elvira fan. And so when Kim Petras was asked if she wrote the whole speech herself, because it's a very like, thriller-esque Elvira inserted into the song. and shit. Which is awesome. And apparently Elvira said, they came up with like the thriller-esque of it. And she said, I really liked it. Apparently she, she says, I get asked to do a lot of thriller type things. It's so odd. You know, I was actually asked to do thriller instead of Vincent Price. And the interviewer was like, what? And she said, yeah, it turned out that Vincent Price's wife was really good friend of Quincy Jones's wife, which is why they went with Vincent Price instead Hmm. on the song Thriller. So it Hmm. could have been Elvira. Yeah, but you know what? I got to say, it should have been Vincent Price. (laughs) Yeah. I get it. It definitely, he is the OG. And also, I think that they were just trying to bring like a feminine quality into it, which I get. For sure. But he actually made it scary because that video is scary. I yeah, think she yeah, would have made it like campy. Yeah, yeah, totally. It would have like You're turned into more right. of a humorous uh, direction for sure. Yeah, then you heard me. I hate women, and that's yeah. on record. She's always saying this. We're like Natalie, please Natalie, suppress. Please. We're trying to like not give that message out at all. Yeah. I'm a men's rights activist. <laughs> Ew, Natalie, no, Natalie, no. Gross. Yeah. Mom. <laughs> She's trying to be a Miss Right activist. Oh my God, get rid of that. You're grounded, says mom. Either way, um, (laughs) Halloween is still definitely Sandra Peterson's super busy ass month. Uh, She said about her Octobers, my phone doesn't stop ringing and I don't sleep and I'm working during the day and I'm working at night. It's pretty hectic. I love it. I'm happy. But I sometimes wish all my work didn't come in a one month period. She also laments that she only gets to wear one costume every Halloween for life. Something I never thought about. (laughs) She's always working. uh, Yeah, because she's always working the month. And so she's always Elvira. And so she almost damned herself with a person who loves dressing up for Halloween to only be able to dress up as one thing every single year, which is so funny to me. I do. uh, She was asked at this time period to. With her mastery of camp kitsch and gender signifiers that are oversized, Peterson has noted that her interests over <laughs> often overlap with those of queer fans. And I never thought about this before, but I thought that she put it in a very interesting way. She said, I think a lot of the movies that gay men like, like Mean Girls and Hocus Pocus, have a really strong female character. She said, Elvira's androgynous. She's all female, but she's also got balls. Mm -hmm. I think the Elvira character is a very androgynous character. She's sexy, but she's strong, and she doesn't take any crap from men. I agree. It's the opposite of a David Bowie or Mick Jagger. Male singers who are strong and sexy, but also feminine and wear eye makeup. And Mm -hmm. I never thought about it like that before, because you think like, oh, well, she's got her tits out. Like, oh, that's all. But. I completely understand what she's saying when she says Oh, yeah, absolutely. In, yeah. I agree. In the movie, in the movie uh, in Mistress of the Dark, I mean, 
she gets like hit on left and right by like gross dudes and she's like doesn't take shit. She doesn't even flinch. Like, yeah, no, yeah. for sure. Which is a super cool role model in that way. And Holden, I know that you touched on this a little bit about the Ew. not scary farm uh show yes. that she did. On Not Scary Farm. I don't know how recently she'd been doing it. This just I had like a question. A year ago. She just retired. Last year? Okay. She cool. just she just she recently retired. She did. So it's called so it's not Sperry Farm, but in October it's called Not Scary Farm. I've never gone. This no. was supposed to be the year that I was supposed to I go. I know. I'm so sad. I'm um, not gonna be upset about it. No, not but gonna be mad. She did a three week long show every single night, every October. For, from 1981 until 2001, wow. she took a break because she was raising her, her daughter. And then she comes back from 2013 until 2018. It's such a drag show, too. She's singing, she comedy, dancing. She the concept. It's insane. She created the concept. She had hands-on. She worked with the director, the costume people, the lighting people. She made this show different every year. I'm so upset. I am sad that we never that went. That I never got to see it. Because we talked yeah. about, because we moved to LA, back to LA in like 2016. You came, Jackie, the next year. We yeah. talked, I remember us talking about going and yes. we just didn't do it. I'm so upset. That'd and be now so in, fun. in the last version of the song, she, I'm sorry, in the last version of the show, she was writing it with Jackie Beat, who is a drag queen legend and also uh, a comedy writer, an actor. And Jackie Beat was asked why they love the queen of Halloween. And she said she loves working with her because she's an outsider. She's obviously beautiful, but she doesn't take herself too seriously. She knows she's a joke and she embraces it. What makes her different are the very things that make her special. And that's an important message that the world will never stop needing to hear. Mm -hmm. And it's more important than ever in today's political climate. Oh, and her boobs. We can't forget about her boobs. (laughs) Never forget about her boobs. And it's kind of amazing how over the past several years, due to nostalgia and the internet and her incredible work ethic, she's actually more popular than ever. She said back in 2014 in an interview, I just found out I'm making the same amount of money this year that I made at the very highest point of my career. And let me tell you, I've had some extremely down years. 10 years ago, after a messy divorce and a bad stock market, I wondered for a while if I was going to be the end of Elvira altogether, if it was going to be the end of Elvira altogether. But I'm happy to say this year will be my biggest year since 1988, when I was starring in my own movie and doing a big publicity campaign for Pepsi, which is pretty crazy. Also, she mentions her divorce. She was married uh, to musician Mark Pearson in 1981, and then uh, he became her personal manager, and then they had their her only daughter, Sadie, back in 1994. However, they did divorce back in 2003. So that's amazing, though, that she's like, st- she, she came back with such a force. Well, I and I really consider her to be a good role model for women in that she is an older woman who's still very vivacious and full of energy and life and like joy and she's very silly still and I think that that's something that younger women can need to see as something that you can become and that that's you can still have your life when you're older because we're given this image over and over again of like being you know like a dusty old hag and it's like 70 yeah you don't have to be like that that's insane insane (laughs) absolutely insane and also the fact that i mean i imagine she's definitely had some work done but 
her like she's also letting herself age at least se- like semi naturally like she does look older than she did and i appreciate that also cuz it goes along with what you were just saying Natalie where it's, it comes to a point where you have to embrace it you are 70 and you're hot as shit oh but yeah you can also embrace it uh, we should also mention 13 Nights of Elvira in 2014. She got a run on Hulu doing horror movie hosting with the series. And, of course, it is 13 episodes long. It's all on Hulu. Definitely check that out if you want some more modern uh, uh, day Elvira as well. She was excited, though, because she was allowed for the first time really in a long time for Elvira to be a little bit edgier on Hulu. Yeah. She said that there's a little more sex and violence. The movies have nudity. She said, that's interesting for me because usually they have to black all that out. I'm always on regular television where we have, they have standards and practices. This time we have no standards. No standards entirely. Though you can say Elvira never had any standards. (laughs) Uh, I've got a little final quote myself. I don't know if y'all have anything else to say, But uh, here is my final piece from Elvira, from Cassandra Peterson herself. I'm surprised every time I see something with my face on it or come across another article TV show website with Elvira in it. I'm as shocked as anybody at it. I'm like, wow, I can't believe this is really happening. I mean, being such a horror fan and becoming a horror icon is just the best thing that could happen. I love her. Please check out her stuff. Find anything you can on YouTube. What a great... Halloween and just in general life inspiration. She it, 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 another example of someone that has I don't want to say, use the word cobbled together, but she has so like she modeled. She was a photographer for a while. She sang in bands. She's acted. She's a you know over the place. She's a dancer. But she did bring it all together into one package that yes. is so just uh, uh, just so able to come continue and 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 uh, uh be just an amazing thing for decades it's definitely how to survive in this business you have to become a renaissance person yes <laughs> yes yeah, pretty much and that's trades. yeah it's the only way that you can maintain a career unless you make it really young yeah and that's sure. i i love everything about her and i'm so excited that we were able to Open up a little bit more rather than just seeing the breasts. There's more than the <laughs> breasts. More by the breasts. But there's also the breasts. I mean, the breasts, though. The breasts the, but her breasts important. are amazing. Uh, but either way, I think that calls it. That's our episode on Elvira. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. If you'd like to support us further, patreon.com forward slash page seven podcast. Check it out. Five bucks a month. So much content. Uh, check uh, Jackie and I out on twitch.tv forward slash holdenators ho. If you're listening to this in October, we already mentioned it before, but Natalie, what do we got going on? We are every Saturday night, different people from LPN are watching Halloween movies, horror movies with you guys on Twitch, and we're raising money for some diff- some great organizations. So that's at 9 p.m., I ET. believe. Eastern, Eastern Standard Time. Yeah. Yes, and it's at twitch.tv backslash Network. So come and hang out with us and throw a buck or two at some people. Hell but yeah. But not in change. Not in change. Don't throw it not that way. Change, Don't please. make it, it hail on Don't us. Don't make it hail. Mm-hmm. What do you got, Jackie? My name is Jackie Zabrowski. You can follow me on Instagram at jackthatworm. And if you want more, yeah, if you want to get scared of some vampires, there's some sexy gaslighting vampires <laughs> in the form of Twilight over on the Patreon. <laughs> come check it out. I'm reading it. 
I'm screaming about it. And I'm having a great time. We love you so much. Thank you for joining us on our spooky episode. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with another spooky episode. So get out your wee-wee pads because it's time to pee on yourself. All right. Don't disregard. (laughs) It's done. The episode's done. Bye, guys. Bye, Bye, everybody. It's too late. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. We've seen all the video call fails by now. The mute button mishaps, the cat cameos, people not realizing the camera's on when their pants are off. But none of this makes Fred feel any better about giving an entire sales pitch, mistakenly using a filter that turns him into an itsy-bitsy baby duck. How do I turn this thing off? It's too late, Fred. It's too late. When you realize it's better to do business in person, it matters where you stay. Welcome to the Hilton Garden Inn, Fred. The meeting room is right down the hall. Hilton. For the stay. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.